Welcome back to another episode of Panthers Tracks. I'm Ellis Williams, joined by Jonathan Alexander, as always. we got a special guest today, Josh Norris of the Underdog Football Show, here to break down everything the Panthers draft coming up. We're just days away, y'all. The Panthers having the sixth overall pick, quarterback, tackle, trademark. We're going to get into all that. So without further ado, here we go. Josh, what's going on, man? I'm I'm wonderful. Like you said, like less than a week away. Um, I'm ready for it to be over, but there's like so much excitement. There, there's <laughs> there's so many things that could possibly happen. And once again, like the Panthers feel like they're at the heart of it all, where it can go one way or the other. So I'm glad I get to honestly pick your guys' brains while I'm here. Fair, that's fair. Good. And that's Ooh, yeah, let's do it, man. Yeah, that's where I wanted to start, really. Like just with an overall view of this draft, like com- Compared to years past, has this been underwhelming, or how has the buildup been going for you? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, it's 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 a strange year. So, looking back on it last year, you know, everyone said that it was like the most difficult one to predict. There were no visits, there were no, uh, there was no combine, there was no any of that stuff, right? Um, this one's way more difficult, you know. And I think mm-hmm. part of the reason is compared to last year, there were really just twelve or thirteen players that could fill out the top 10. And part of that was because of so few defensive players that were considered there in the top 10 selections. It was just the two corners and and JC Horn and obviously Patrick Sertan. So you knew you're going to have three quarterbacks. You knew you're going to have three or two wide receivers, two offensive tackles. So there weren't that many names to choose from. Now we get here, guys, and it's like 15, 17 names that could possibly be in whatever order. And because there are no quarterbacks at the top that we know that they are one, two, three, it makes everything and all the different iterations even more complicated. And that's not even bringing us to six where there's a, a number of possibilities there. Yeah. I feel like the only thing I know for certain is that Aiden Hutchinson won't be there at six. I, I feel like that's the only thing that I know. That's a good sure. point. <laughs> he's I, the only guy that I have, I haven't even thought about that the Panthers will pick because he's not going to be there. Yeah. But, uh, I, I love doing kind of like if then statements with a lot of these things. And so, you know, for, for honestly weeks, we thought it would be Aiden Hutchinson at one. Now the buzz that Trayvon Walker is not going away. And honestly, mm-hmm. you guys might think this is ridiculous. An eight-year grudge that Trent Baalke is holding against Jim Harbaugh. I don't think that's out of the question. Wow. Along with, there's also the Michigan Wolverines took two personnel people away from the Jacksonville Jaguars organization this offseason. One in Denard Robinson and another executive with the team. I mean, Trent Baalke does not have that many great connections and relationships throughout the league. So, look, it's not like this team at one and the Jaguars dislike Trayvon Walker as a whole, as an entity, and he's just like, you know, throwing in the face of his room. But if he has the final decision, which he does, it would not shock me if if it's close that he's like, man, I'm not taking Jim Harbaugh's guy. I'm going with my own one. You know what I'm saying? That would be absolutely crazy, but you know what's funny? I got a small Trent Baalke story. I just so ha- I'm not going to tell people how this happened, but I just so happened to get his number. Um, and I was writing a story on quarterbacks in general um, and why it's so hard to get a quarterback. And I said, since I have Trent Baalke's number, why don't I just, you know, give him a call? He just so happened to pick up. And, uh, like, he was just, like, kind of like, like, how did you get my – he didn't say this, but that, that was just kind of like the impression he, he gave, like, I was like, can you know, dude, would you mind speaking about the importance of quarterbacks? And he was just like, no. 
Uh, Fair enough. Thank you, sir. But uh, if you were to do something like that, that'd just be crazy. Yeah. Just hold it just because he didn't like. Well, to me, it sounds like Jacksonville stays petty. I mean, so just kind of they remain on brand with something like that. Um, Josh, I'm curious to build out Jonathan's point about the guarantee. Do you feel like there's any other guarantees in this top 10 or, or top six, keeping it Carolina specific? Oh, I, I'll, I'll follow up with what Jonathan says. I would be stunned, shocked if Kenny Pickett's a selection at number six. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he and I have been kind of in sync with this whole avenue where it's gone down over the last few weeks. And like really the only way teams have to be honest with us. And you guys know this more than anyone covering the Panthers is through their checkbooks, like with money they give out or through their draft picks. That's it. I mean, the last two, you know, NFL combines, when they get up there, they just lie, lie, lie to our face, you know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the only time that they have to be honest with us is for agency and this weekend that's coming up. And so if we can follow the paper trail, they're the only quarterback needy team throughout the league that can inherit a salary that is either Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield, period. Mm -hmm. And the longer this goes along, the more likely maybe either the compensation in terms of the draft pick drops or those teams are willing to take on some salary cap to just get those guys off the roster. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of that probably was getting ready for Deshaun, but then they kept going. Did they not like, correct me if I'm wrong, they kept going. And so they positioned themselves along with the last two off seasons of not investing in rookie quarterbacks and instead wanting to have a veteran that can come in and play and they know what they're getting on, on some level, right? And I just don't see a total 180 shift in a mental mindset of an organization to then shift that over to a rookie quarterback there at number six. That can change if they trade down, but at number six, I would be shocked. Yeah, well, you know, we, we talked about this. There's, there's no way Carolina... Now, you know, I've talked to enough people. There's no way they're going to reach for a quarterback at six if they don't have to. Like, like if all their best players were off the board who they chose and then they had to choose a quarterback, okay, I could see them choosing Malik Willis, but Trace. they're not going to reach, yeah, if, right. you know, if they don't have to. Um, you know, they really like Evan Neal. Um, they like um, Ika Mekwanu. I always have to make sure I pronounce his name right. Um, you know, Trayvon Walker is real high on their list too, even though I don't think they'd take him over offensive tackle. Um, and it, it, if you talk to anybody in this, who, who you, anybody else who studies a draft, if you pass up on one of those guys for Kenny Pickett, you will look like an idiot. You won't survive the night on Twitter. No, absolutely not. And there's still that possibility that Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield are there. And, you know, as we reported, those numbers come down. Those teams agree to take on part of their salary. Then they become a lot more attractive. I think people often miss that point. You know, they say, why would you pay Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield that money? They're not going to pay Jimmy Garoppolo. They're not going to pay those players their current salaries. It will be less if they make a trade for them. So, that door is still open. So that's why I think that the Panthers and through talking with people, they're going to take the best player available that also fits their needs. They're not going to reach for a quarterback there. Can, can we talk through a couple scenarios while I have yeah. you guys? If I'm, I'm trying it. to turn the pages here. Okay. So let's say Jacksonville and Detroit at one or two, that is some combination of Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson. Those are off the board. Okay. Mm-hmm. Three, the closer this gets, 
the more I believe that's going to be Sauce Gardner. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that leaves still some offensive line on the board. But then we look at the Jets and the Giants. More so lately, it has felt like the Jets might lean towards Joe Douglas's favorite in Icky Iquanu mm-hmm. and the Giants at Evan Neal. This is the scenario I keep coming into my head. If both the top tackles are off the board, but someone like Kayvon Thibodeau is still on the board. What do the Panthers do in that scenario? Because if it's either of the tackles, that makes so much more sense. Or, and I always think like in the back of their head, because Scott Fitter traded out four times during his first year, no second Mm -hmm. and third round pick, that trading out in that scenario would be number one. Like if they are forced to stick at number six and pick, what the hell do they do? I I think like there's multiple things. Like I think, I, I, I think that they would first, go um they would see who wants is will somebody behind them take charles cross um if they don't feel like who's behind them uh it is uh Atlanta, so right after them is the giants but they had just taken another tackle yeah. so that's atlanta seattle might yeah. at number nine because there's no starting tackles on that team right so if if the giants take evan neal then they're not taking charles cross so you don't have to worry about them i don't know what atlanta's going to do seattle i think seattle is the most logical trade partner in this scenario, but you would have to know Seattle wants a quarterback. And right. if Seattle doesn't think you're going to take a quarterback, they don't need to trade with you um, unless they think Atlanta's going to take the quarterback. Um, so I think the Penn is going to need to know that Charles Cross is going to be there at nine if they want to trade back, or they might have to take Charles Cross at or, six. Um, yeah, or at six or consider Kayvon Thibodeau. I don't know. I actually don't know where they, where they sit on. on okay. We got to figure there. that out. We got five days to figure mm-hmm. that out. I, I, I need to know that information on KT. Okay. That, that's the he's, only reason I'm on the show. <laughs> he's a possibility. What I do know is they wouldn't be opposed to taking the defensive lineman because they need an edge. Right. Um, okay. You, you mentioned trade out spots to me, the team that is starving for a quarterback and there's plenty of, rumblings that they are willing to trade up as the Pittsburgh Steelers at 20. Now I know Scott Fitter has talked about, we don't want to drop down too much because there are only a certain amount of first round grades, whether that be, you know, 14, 15, 16. So dropping down to 20 seems like a lot because the Steelers have before, you know, gone from 20 to 10 to go get Devin Bush. But I wouldn't be shocked if the first quarterback off the board lasts until then. I don't know what you guys have heard, but like the the longer I do this, I think we get away a little bit from the, oh, it's going to be Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis in that order. And I think Malik Willis, like people are going to fall in love with the traits and and that makes the most sense for for the first one off the board. And it might be all, all the way at 20 unless they can trade up to, I don't know, 12 with Minnesota, probably a spot 13 to Houston because they already had another first round pick. Yeah. Wait, wait how, are you high, Ellis, on any of these quarterbacks? Because I could give my scenario after you give your your opinion on, on what you think about right. quarterbacks. Right, right. Um... No, not the simple answer is no, not necessarily high on these guys. Um, the more you watch the tape and the more you ask around, um, you get the sense that a a top 10 pick, uh, they, they don't warrant it. Um, but it's so rare that this happens, right? Like I'm really at a point with this from and, and, and we're just so in the thick of this is you hear so yeah. much that you go back and forth on how you feel. And then you almost hope that like a, a, a scout told me once you, you want to lean on what you initially felt and heard in like February, right. Before the pre-draft process starts um, making everything cloudy, you, you start talking yourself into guys, all the smoke comes around. And that tells me that you have to lean on initially what we thought about these quarterbacks. Like none of them were worthy of that pick. Right. But until 
I and look, that's not the industry we're in. Like, but until I see it, I just think that one of the I think Malik Willis is going to be a, a top ten pick in this draft, and that would bode well for the Carolina Panthers. Like in that uh, scenario you laid out, Josh, if uh, both the tackles are gone, but Malik Willis is still available there at six. You know, that that might be the Panthers' best case scenario, not in terms of drafting Malik Willis, but making that trade up or trading out, depending on how you look at it, uh, the most coveted and, and making that Carolina's best case scenario. But then, Jonathan, you make a great point. Like, they don't want to move back too far because Scott Federer has uh, been very vocal about how there is a, you know, just year in and year out, a, a premium on what it's like usually the top 12 or 14 guys. And Pittsburgh is just outside that range. So uh, to wrap that up, I don't think either of these, you know, Kenny Pickett, uh, Malik Willis are worthy of a top 10 pick. I'm actually most intrigued by Desmond Ritter. We can talk about that later if y'all want. But I, I just think one of them goes in the, the top 10. And because of the trade, to the, I think it'll be Malik Willis. Yeah, yeah. Their, their philosophy has generally been like 16 is where you have a drop off. And sure. they, they don't want to go past there. And I think I, here's I truly believe this is that if the Panthers were to even drop that far, they would have to get Pittsburgh's first-round pick in 2023. Right, right. A second-round right. second pick this draft um, in, in something else. Like, it would have to be, like – A lot. More, it would have to be a lot. So, um, you know, I, I don't see Pittsburgh wanting to do that for one of these quarterbacks. Okay. When they could can, one of them. can I throw in a really spicy scenario? That's why so, we brought you on, man. There, there is one team – that has two first round picks that believe they're still in a win now window without, you know, having the same head coach as last year and the Hall of Fame quarterback retiring prior to last season. And the that's Saints? the Saints. Okay. We saw this last year, right? The, the, the Cowboys and the Eagles trading with each other inside their own division to really trump the Giants from taking Devontae Smith. Okay. And that allowed the Eagles yeah. to get him. I wonder. If the Panthers say, hey, if we get 16 and 19, the Saints just lost, just lost Teron Armstead to free agency. The core of that team, the identity for so long has been how great that offensive line has been. If they see Evan Neal, Icky Kwanu, whoever else, if one of them is still on the board or if both are off the board, we have to get a top three premium offense attack. We're willing to trade both of those first round picks in order to get the number six that the Panthers would be willing to listen to that. That's spicy because that rarely happens, but yeah. that's a lot of draft capital. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> that would be super funny because they hate each other. Like, right. You know, <laughs> that's they, what I'm like, saying. They, they really do. Like, like, all right, if you go back, uh, this, this predates um, Ellis's time, but last year, um, and I'm going to get the specifics wrong, but uh, what's the kid who uh, the Saints drafted? Um, the quarterback slash tight end from Oh Ian Book from Notre Dame. Oh no, Taysom no, Hill, Taysom. you're talking about the Taysom Hill guy, the Taysom Hill kind of guy. I can't remember his name. He played for who did he play for? I pull it. I don't up. know. It was a, I don't know why his name is slipping my mind right now. But he plays quarterback and tight end. Okay. Um, and and he was like similar to Taysom Hill. So. The Saints heard that the Panthers were interested. Tommy Stevens. Yeah, there you go. From Mississippi Tommy State. Yeah. So the Saints had heard that the Panthers were interested in taking Tommy Stevens and they were going to probably draft him at um, the sixth spot. Um, so the Saints jumped ahead of the Panthers and took Tommy Stevens just because of that. The Panthers hated that. But it didn't work out with the Saints. So the Saints um, ended up releasing him and the Panthers 
uh, you know, picked him up just because the Saints lost him. So they could say that, aha, we made you waste a six-round draft pick <laughs> to get Tommy Stevens. So if if they were to trade with the Saints, I would be like, I'm not saying it wouldn't happen because it would make sense. For both sides. Yeah, it would make sense for both sides. But I would be shocked from the standpoint that these two sides don't like each other. Can, can I push back a little bit on how much sense that makes for the Saints only because they they run a risk right now of maybe not being a, a good football team next year and the Eagles have those picks and you're you know just from an optics standpoint um you really would have been going all in then on that first trade with the Eagles to then move up in the second part for that quarterback and then all of a sudden you turn around and you're shopping for you would have been in the you know a top five pick for a quarterback next year and meanwhile the Eagles have your have your pick I, I you know I don't think league offices you know there's such an urgency to win now and go get your eye and believe in yourself get them in the building right. um but gosh the optics on that could look real bad with some revisions history real bad but that Saints team like they trade future picks like it's nobody's business and they like go cool. all in for players that they I mean they trade a future first round pick and their current first round pick for Marcus Davenport coming out of UTSA you know because they they really kind of feel like they are this close now some of those might have been for Sean Payton you know and mm -hmm. since he's out of the building that Mickey Loomis whoever else is going to have Jeff Ireland a bit more say but just from like a hey if they believe in-house that they are close and the left tackle, and then you can go and sign Jarvis Landry, who they brought in, and Tyron Matthew, and fill in these other spots with veterans, and just have that left tackle from day one that can play immediately. It would make sense at number six there. And again, maybe trading out of that second first-round pick at number 19 or whatever it is, uh, and getting second and thirds or whatever from that, or just having two first-round picks is huge business moving from number six. So, yeah, the Saints were the original F them picks. Um, this is true. So. <laughs> okay. If just going all the way back here, because, and I, I kind of hate it, but mm -hmm. every single time a quarterback is mentioned with the Panthers, it's Kenny Pickett. And I think it comes back to that picture that he has with Matt rule, the connections with David Tepper guys, the more that I like what I know about Ben McAdoo is like, he's a traits guy. And if there's one traits mm -hmm. quarterback here, it's Malik Willis. So like if the Panthers do end up with the quarterback, I I'm I believe it's Malik Willis of this group. Yeah, I, you know, just given his like upside, I think I, I really do think that the Panthers have are looking at it from the big picture mm -hmm. type of perspective. Like, like it's easy to say like, okay, we got to win now or we're gonna be fired. But a lot of people's jobs are involved. It's not just Matt Rule's job to involve. So he's not going. I mean, I don't think that he has that mindset that people think that he's just so desperate that he's gonna. Jabs Kenny Pickett, first of all. But even then, like all those people wouldn't let the Panthers take on that mindset. So I think they're if they were to drive a quarterback, it would be the guy who they thought had the biggest upside and they would swing for the fences. I think that's their belief. Scott Federer talked about it, you know, uh, on the record. Like, you know, sometimes you go after quarterback and if it doesn't work out, then you go the next year. But you try to take the, you know, the player who you think is the is the best and Ben McAdoo said he's a swing for the fences type of guy. Kenny Pickett doesn't come off as a swing for the fences no. type of player. Malik Willis does though. Um so I, I agree. I think if they take a quarterback, Malik Willis is still there, then I think it's gonna be Malik Willis. Josh, do you think Desmond Ritter fits that traits guy at all? Or just because he tests like that, he he doesn't he isn't he doesn't really necessarily play like that on, on tape in his college tape. Yeah. 
he does 100%. The inaccuracy, I, I really can't get by. And that's the only yeah. thing. Like, he kind of goes through the processing. He had a lot of, of responsibilities on his plate. But, man, the inaccuracy is, like, the worst of this group. Like, if we can kind of go through each quarterback in a one-minute capsulation, I would say he's almost like a, a athletic Mason Rudolph in ways. Like, someone who, oh. coming out of Oklahoma State, had um, – some responsibilities threw down the field, worked in the structure of that offense, but man, just even the short to intermediate inaccuracy was was a bit chaotic. You know, Matt Corral is a confident Marcus Mariota in that tons of RPOs, athletic as well, will run inside the five yard line, but only had I think eighty eight dropbacks of three to seven step drops. Malik Willis is, as we all know, a great runner, really make you miss in the hole. Um, loves to throw those plays outside the numbers and down the field. And it's almost the anti Lamar Jackson and that Lamar is so lethal over the middle of the field, but Malik, that's a complete blind spot to him. He never throws there right mm -hmm. now. And then yep. Kenny Pickett, I think he's going to have to win at the NFL level as a processor, but he's not a processor right now. Like when that primary option isn't there, he kind of panics and tries to use that athleticism and he's not the athlete like these other guys are. Yeah. It won't mm -hmm. translate. He, he bails out of the pocket and tries to find that and that escape right that Baker Mayfield really fell into. It, it, it's gonna it's gonna hurt him in the league. I need an official prediction of the two guys closest to all this. What what's happening? What's happening here next Thursday? So so I think Daniel Jeremiah kind of helped quelled my 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 thoughts of of whether he thought because I asked him I said, do you think that I can um, or Evan will fall. He said he does think one of them. So I'm just going to go on the limb and say one of them does fall. And I and if one of them is there, the Panthers is definitely going to take him. So my pick is Boom. is Evan. Yeah, love that. Uh, yeah, and, and I'll I'll my extension off that is going to be I'll I'll say Charles Cross, not necessarily at six. We explored you know a, a slight trade back at the top of this podcast uh, with that being the scenario. And then big picture, I think this ends with either. Baker, Jimmy Garoppolo getting to Carolina somehow, because if you think like we, we just spent 25 minutes talking about just the draft in a vacuum and, and I understand that's the exercise, but when you think about the entire lay of the land here in the NFC and specifically the NFC South, all Carolina really has to do is eliminate the atrocious turnovers from last year between Sam Darnold and, and Cam Newton. They've already done that by shoring up the offensive line, adding, uh, Cross or Iquanu does that, and then you get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who is a lifer of not turning the ball over, right? And now you're talking about playing competent football, having a slightly above average offense, and perhaps you're in play for the wild card, which is really the, the goal of this team if we're being real about it. So when you talk big picture like that, I think the tackle and bringing in Garoppolo or Baker gives you the, the highest floor, keeps you safe, and you just keep pushing this uh, long-term future quarterback down the line. We're all in sync. We're all on the same page. Love it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Josh, really appreciate it. Come on, man. Appreciate it. And that is a wrap for our Panthers Tracks episode. Thank you to our guest, Josh Norris of the Underdog Football Show. Thanks, y'all, for tuning in. To another edition of the Panthers Tracks podcast. Please subscribe to our Panthers coverage at charlotteobserver.com slash sports. Until next time, y'all. Take care.